Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over seventy percent of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on LinkedIn.com/people today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wegovy and Zepbound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com/weightloss. That's PlushCare.com/weightloss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Hello and welcome to Stalking Time for the Moon Boys, part two. Oh, hello, David. Hi, Tim. How are you doing? Yeah, so I'm just speaking at the moment, David. Sorry. Okay, uh, okay. Part two of yeah. our Stardust special. Are you talking to me or in that to the listeners? Um, I was trying to do both, actually. Okay, uh, yeah, that's part and parcel of the address of a podcast, isn't it? I think it's gone really well yeah. uh, and, and pr- pr- pretty smooth. Let's get into it. So let's get into part two of, as I say, the Stardust special. I want to ask you a question. Yes. So I'm a, I'm a member of the, I'm just someone who's, who meets you somewhere, bumps into you and says, hello, are you David Baddiel? I, I'm not a massive fan of, you know, it's no big deal. I, I don't particularly enjoy your comedy mm. or the books you write. It sounds like quite a difficult conversation so far. No, no, it's going to get good in a minute. Okay. I don't, I don't not a big fan of the comedy or, 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 or the books. and Or anything you've done. Or I don't, I don't really like you on Twitter. I find yeah. that. I mean, the Holocaust documentary wasn't for me. I personally didn't believe it happened. You mean that kind of conversation? But I, but nonetheless. One of my cats has turned up, by the way. Oh. Pip. Hello, Pip. Oh, Pip is, of course the hero of my favourite book. Great expectations, yeah. Um, but what I do want to ask you, David, notwithstanding all of those issues I have with you, what you do, mm. is should I 
watch Stardust. Oh, why did you need to say all those negative things about my work to ask me that question? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Seems a bit odd. It's, all, it's almost as if you just wanted to say some quite negative things about me and then ask me a non-sequitur question. No, I think it was more, uh, I was enjoying role-playing. I was trying to work out what sort of who I'd be. Right. One of those annoying people that comes up to you and says but sort of passive-aggressive. Was there meant to be a connection of, like, I'm someone who doesn't like you and I don't really value your judgment, so now I'm going to ask you if I should watch Stardust and I'll probably watch it if you say it's shit. Or was it just that you took no, the opportunity I, I, in your improvisation to say some negative things? I think you're looking too deeply. I think I was thinking if a member of the public came up to you and then in my mind I was remembering a few times you've said quite often, or maybe you've said it on Twitter, quite often people will say something nice or, or you know, right. are interested in you, but they will, they will often sort of say, oh, by the way, I'm not a fan of this yeah. bit of you. Oh, yeah. yeah. Or alternatively, they, they might want to say something nice but they'll say it by saying, I'm not really a fan, but I did like that thing that you've just said yeah. or done or whatever. So yeah. And actually, I'll tell, you, I'll tell you for a long time, what I always knew when I saw a sort of old Jewish person or old Jewish couple coming towards me, I always knew that they were going to say, it with not by necessarily saying I hated everything, but with a slight sense of, I tell you what I did like, right? Mean, right. Meaning I didn't like anything else. Who do you yeah. think you are? It would always be right. that. Now it might be the Holocaust denial documentary, yes. but certainly for years, it was, oh, yes, now that, now that I did like. That. Right. I think, because as you know, in this podcast, I'm like the comic one. Yeah, you're the funny one. So, yeah. And yeah. so I think I was turning that into sort of comedic, I was exaggerating that. Right. Which people so, in comedy often so do. That person said, I don't really like anything you've done. I don't like the comedy. I don't like any of the documentaries. I don't like the books. I like Tim Hinks. Anyway, <laughs> should I watch Stardust? That is a good choice you've made. That yeah. is finally a yeah. good judgment. But yeah. uh, regardless of their, that, I mean, I know you wouldn't go, I don't think either of us are going around recommending it in the sense that we're saying you must see it. But is it something worth seeing on balance? Or are we saying just don't bother? Well, someone asked me on Twitter, a Bowie fan said, is it worth it as a, you know, kind of novelty? thing talking point thing and i said yes you know and i think it's a talking point certainly for bowie fans and i mean you know i've noticed by the way that it has got some good reviews like it got four stars in the times that's so weird isn't it well i think kevin mayer who wrote that review who's not a bad film critic started by saying something along the lines of even though the Bowie, well, this might be confusing this is what, with what Johnny Flynn said, but Johnny Flynn, I think, referred to the Bowie Mafia. Uh, and I think similarly, Kevin Mayer was like, oh, yeah, all these people who, you know, idolise David Bowie will hate this. But forget that. If you can get, you know, it's a good movie. I don't agree right. with that. I, I don't think it's a good movie anyway. And I think, you know, Velvet Goldmine is quite a good example of that because Velvet Goldmine fucks about with the legacy of David Bowie. I know it's. I know he's, he's called Maxwell Demon and he's not David Bowie, but it is David Bowie, but it completely screws about with it and it's playful and weird and in its own way very suitable. You know that thing where in Midsummer Murders or where they have a rock, we've talked about before, they have a sort of rock star who suddenly is one yeah. episode who's retiring to that, you know, and yeah. nearly always is a sort of version of Bowie or somewhere between Bowie and David Essex. Alice Cooper. Yeah. It's always someone who could have been Alice Cooper because they always think, oh, we've got to go for bad boy. If it's yeah. a rock star, they've got right. to be a sense in which they're a bit evil, a bit of a bad boy, 
clearly yeah. done some drugs and they're a bit perverse. So they make him, they make them look a tiny bit like Alice Cooper. They definitely do, and they always dress like they're doing an album cover shoot, even when they're yeah. sort of yeah on a, yeah. on a, going to the post office. But in the way that you just said, I've forgotten the name. It was Maxwell Demon, isn't it? That you yeah. said yeah, which is a sort of terrible name for you know. I mean, I and and they are always bad names. Would you, if Bowie hadn't have existed? I mean, I know this is a big thing. If they said, and he's called Ziggy Stardust, that would sound yeah. just as bad, wouldn't it? Yeah. I mean, it's a sort of terrible name, isn't it? Well, possibly David Bowie is as well. I think it's quite, I mean, in terms of the names from the 70s, which were always a little bit, you know, deliberately zany, I think David yeah. Bowie is an, ele- there's an element of that. I uh, suppose, although you could say it, there's a Bowie knife and it's a sort of bit like that and it's sort of grounded in something real and David's not exactly controversial. No, that's true. But, you yeah, know, Ziggy Stardust and indeed Aladdin Sane are yes. appalling. They're very clumsy, aren't they? And, and a bit Midsummer Murders. The other yeah. thing is, has anyone ever thought of this? Maybe they have. That the musical you wanted to write about Sid Barrett. Uh, not a musical, it's, a, it's an actual biopic. Actual biopic, the piece you want to write about. There's a thing to be had, because he obviously left the band and was very impoverished. Has anyone ever thought of the phrase, sign on, you crazy diamond? Um, that just occurred to me when you can said you Google it. it? Yeah, I'll Google it, see what it says. Yeah, I'm pretty sure you'll find it somewhere. Literally, all you get is shine on. You go. You don't get sign on. There's no sign of sign on. Telltale thing is when I put sign on, you crazy diamond. The first thing it says is lyrics. And you're thinking, right, that's obviously not sign on. It's shine on. It doesn't yeah. seem to be. So you can have that. Uh, yes, uh, I can have it for my film. You can. Co- I mean, if you want to, that could yeah. be the title if you really want. But that will. That's more expensive. Yeah, uh, I, I think. I mean, don't decide now. Again, I don't want to let light in on magic. Let light in on magic. But in in conversation with the Pink Floyd guy, he did suggest to me that it would be possibly a long and complicated negotiation, uh, yeah. given the state of politics between the various members of Pink Floyd. Yeah. And were I to come to them and say, "And by the way, I want to change the lyrics of one of your greatest songs, so they're no longer shine on, but sign on, you crazy diamond," right. because Sid almost definitely was signing on. Oh, yeah, hang on, it's a good job I'm here. You don't have to say that. Don't have to say that. You don't have to change shine. On, shine on you, crazy diamond. Don't worry, uh, David. You can say uh, David Roger. Gilmore uh, or Roger. I'll be using that. That'll yes. be plastered all over it. Don't worry about yeah. that. I'm not. Now, what I'm suggesting is the title of the film is called "Sign on You, Crazy Diamond." <laughs> that's what. That's what I'm suggesting. Right. Do I, I don't tell them that until it comes out. I'm saying, no, sorry. You tell them that, but you say, let me put your mind at rest. There's been some rumours on, on on Reddit saying that I'm going to change Shine On You Crazy Diamond, Sign On You Crazy I'm not doing that. I'm not touching it. That is a great, great song. Yeah. I don't care how much out on a limb I am by saying that. It is a terrific song. Yeah. But what I am doing is just changing. I'm just not changing anything. I'm just calling it Sign On You Crazy Diamond. Are we done? And then you put your hand out to shake. Right. That's going to work. I think that will that will definitely definitely work. I mean, I don't know if I should mention this, but the only time I have heard a lyric change to sign on is when Liverpool play against Chelsea and presumably against other clubs that aren't Liverpool. Right. People uh, sing a version of "You'll Never Walk Alone," which has got sign on, sign on. You'll never get a job. You'll never get a job. Sign on, sign on. I acknowledge for anyone listening that that is very stereotypical and unfair to people from Liverpool. But that is the only time that I've heard the lyric uh, sign on uh, in a song. And that, that's got bad associations, to be honest. Well, which is why 
you shouldn't reference that when you're talking to Roger. No. Don't mention the Liverpool thing. And no. if he says, isn't that a bit like, how does he speak? You know, he's, no, he speaks as they all do in, in a kind of... Slightly uh, posh. Yeah, RP, 1960s, went to public school way. Yeah. But not, incre- not incredibly posh, but yeah. Posh. I think you just don't get onto the Liverpool thing. Okay. Yeah. Do you know, my Morwenna thinks that you're posh. Um, I say you're not. I say I don't think he is posh. Yeah, I don't think I'm posh. No, I'm not posh. I mean, I'm... What are you? Well, I went... It's how do you define... I went to... So I went to an entirely state comprehensive school, not selective. It depends how you define it. My mum's a teacher... But it was in the country. Yeah, I'm the first to go to university in my family. Yeah. But my mum was a teacher. My dad was a civil servant. So in a way, they were sort of public sector... So it's it's not it's sort of quite lower middle class, isn't it? Yeah, she's wrong, isn't she? But then she's very one of the things about Morwenna is she's very working class, but you wouldn't know it because she doesn't sound it. But her dad was a fisherman. I mean, she's like rural working class, so it's not what yeah, yeah. like most people I know working class like Frank Skinner is like really straightforward. Like he worked in a factory, um, and yes. they, and he had an open gas flame in his kitchen. Uh, that was like that appeared to be the heating oh. was an open gas flame. Whereas right. Morwenna, because she came from a place in Cornwall that was quite rural, it doesn't feel quite the same. But it was. Yeah, I think I'm posh now because of what I do. Yeah. My grand, my grandma was a was a cleaner in a hat was a in a, a Downton Abbey. My granddad was the groom. We've been over this because they knew what do you at one point in a podcast about a year ago say that they were in service or something? Yeah, right? yeah they were. Yeah, but I thought you meant. That they had servants or something. It was a long conversation. Anyway, I thought you meant that your grandma had servants. Anyway, I feel we're getting off the point. Is there anything else about Stardust? Any small specific details about it that are worth mentioning at this stage? Uh, well, Stardust obviously to some extent was timed, I presume, with all the anniversary celebrations of Bowie's death and birthday. I guess, yes. And I suppose without necessarily going into all of that, because there was a lot of programming on and um, you and I watched quite a bit of it and decided that we'd probably watched all of it before, even though I thought some of it was new. Yes. And I was also on that Radio 4 programme and you texted me. You were on the show. You were actually, I listened to you. Yes, you were actually on the radio. That's right. It was called, annoyingly, David Bowie dancing out in space. Exactly. Uh, and it was a radio. Well, it was quite a good, what well, I heard of it, certainly my bit, uh, was good. That, sort of that. people talking about David Bowie. Uh, I think I was the only one who didn't just say he was amazing. You were. You said he said he was completely shit after 1983, basically. <laughs> well, until until he got better again. I'd say somewhere between the two points of view lies the truth, as so often. <laughs> yeah. But there's something, as we've said before, although it was fun to see, you know, to like late at night to put on iPlayer and watch him on top of the pops, it always is. It's never not going to be interesting doing that. Not with the covers over your head. Not with the covers over here, no. I did that for seven seconds and found it too stifling, and I spilt my glass of wine. Yeah. Um, the thing I was thinking was, it's so nice when it all calms down and people stop talking rubbish about someone you love yeah. and worship, yeah. um, notwithstanding your own interview. You know, you just want everyone to, because they're all getting it mostly wrong and talking about yeah. space and his yeah. makeup and stuff. And so I was sort of glad when it died down. And I was thinking that one of the earliest memories I have is being in the cinema watching Jungle Book, uh, in Horsham Cinema and sort of enjoying it. Your butler and your servants. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. They got me an advanced copy. And, in your own cinema. And in- I remember thinking halfway through, oh no, this is a nightmare. What's going to happen next is I'm going to leave the cinema and I guess my parents, because I was pretty young, are going to say, 
what did you think to the film? I'm going to have to tell them. And I just cannot be, but I just don't want to do that. I just want to enjoy it privately and then just move on with my life. And I feel a bit like that about both. Sorry, so your problem was a kind of weird self-consciousness that you were enjoying it. And then what got in the way of your enjoyment was the fact that you thought you were going to have to talk about your enjoyment of it afterwards to your mum and dad. Yeah, that they were going to say, what was it about? Because this is in the 70s, so probably Jungle Book was... I know what it was about, even though it was the 70s. Well... It's still about the same thing. It's about a boy who gets lost in the jungle and taken up by animals. I feel like they'd say, what did you like about it? And I'd have to say, oh, I liked uh, Baloo. Was it Baloo? Baloo, yes. The bear. I liked I'm the King of the Swingers, though, where he danced with the monkeys. Yeah, and and I liked the characterisation of Shere Khan. I don't know what I would have said. And I just didn't want to have to go through it. I just wanted to enjoy it. How old were you? Like, I feel like I was probably about seven or eight or something. Right, seven or eight, and you'd have said, I like the characterization of Sheer Khan. I wouldn't have said that, it's true. But I suppose what I mean, I just didn't want to talk about it and have to sort of take a view on it, and I just wanted to enjoy it. And I feel a bit like that about Bowie over the week. I just didn't want to hear everyone talking about it and feel like I've got to contribute with Fred. I just like to enjoy it quietly. What you're talking about there is, is when that happened to you in The Jungle Book, not in The Jungle Book, but in Horsham Cinema watching The Jungle Book, although I'd like to see you as Mowgli running across the jungle, <laughs> uh, dealing with Shere Khan and Baloo and all those people. Animals. Animals. Uh, you're talking about something very, very profound and also predictive because it's sort of like, you know, when um, someone's at a gig, like before the pandemic, and everyone's yeah. filming it, and sometimes the person doing the gig says, please put your phones down. I want you to be in the moment. I want you to, you know, just enjoy the song. It's a bit like that, isn't it? It's a bit like yes. people can't be in the moment because they've got to record it. And why are they recording it? To show their friends and to show other people they were there. right? And in a way, you, you halfway through the Jungle Book thinking, oh, I have to talk about this to my parents, yes. is you being taken out of the moment. It's, uh, I was taken out of the moment and like it's like a job I've got to do as a result of enjoying right. it. It's like a, you can enjoy <laughs> it, but the cost is you're going to have to say that you enjoyed it and say why. Yeah, it's almost like, and now I have to write an essay. We have actually, yes. I've actually gone to school a school showing of this, and at the end of it, the teacher's going to say, right, I now want you to write a page and a half about The Jungle Book. Right. Yeah. My auntie Mildred, uh, not Mildred, she's dead now. Auntie, um, you know the, you know the one. Um, Sylvia. I'm just saying names uh, now. Maureen. Is it Maureen? It's a tough one. Anyway, let's. I think it's Maureen. Maud. Maud. Aunt Maud. She was my grandma's the servant, as we established, yeah. sister. She used to send for Christmas all through my childhood and teenage years 50p for Christmas, right? A fi- a, like a 50 pence WH Smith voucher. Right. 50p? Yeah. So obviously at the beginning that felt quite exciting when you're yeah. seven, but when yeah. you're 15. Is it- oh, she never, she, did, she didn't index link it with inflation. She didn't index, no, she didn't index link it to anything. In fact, it, so it sort of virtually became work. Well, this is my point, which is it's a bit like there are some presents you get at Christmas and birthdays, that you think on balance, given that I've got to write a letter of thanks yes. for it, I'd rather it hadn't have been sent at all. Yes, my son has made this point, but not on balance. Your point uh, about it being on balance, he hates writing thank you for so much that he has said, I'd rather just have no presents. No I hate it so much. It doesn't really matter well, what the present is. I just hate writing thank you letters. Yeah, I wouldn't have said that if it's a Skeletrix. I don't know. I think there's a... Yeah. Well, it, as we know, it wasn't a Skeletrix. As we know, that was the great, no, was, the great but, wound but of your childhood is you from, thought it was a Skeletrix and you didn't get it. Exactly. But from pleasure, like watching The Jungle Book or getting a present, 
if the if there's an attached sort of but in order to enjoy it you've got to tell your parents about the film or yeah. write a letter you think oh maybe i just don't want to do it yeah that is in fact a slightly different thing than you're describing because i think when i read say like on the day of the bowie anniversary there was a huge double page spread in the times and i got about a paragraph in and then I, what i felt was yeah this is what you see all the time which is obviously all the clichés but also people kind of co-opting bowie to whatever they feel is the present moment. So there was a lot of people saying, well, as a person who didn't really know who their gender was in wherever it was in blah, 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 David Bowie was the person who I could look to. And you kind of think like, well, maybe. But I certainly don't think that David himself, even though he was very keen on doing that for his own artistic and indeed commercial reasons was thinking, I'm reaching out to the people in 1972 who don't really know what their gender is. Well, as we know, the famous moment, and we've discussed it, when he says he's gay, he doesn't actually say he's gay. So it wasn't... Yeah, but you got a lot of that in, in this particular one, in this particular anniversary, there's a lot of people essentially trying to make David Bowie more woke than he was before his right. time, which is, you know, fine. That, that sort of happens. It's just a further thing of that weird thing you're talking about, which is... No one owns the legacy of someone like David Bowie, but there is a sense in which if you're quite microscopic and specific about someone because you like them very much, you realise that there's all sorts of very complicated and difficult to sum up things about them. And then all you just read are these things where you think like, well, that's that's someone simplifying it and making it therefore wrong, and it becomes quite painful. There's also that thing that you read a lot, which is also annoying, where lazy journalists will sort of, I suppose, Google... Um, contemporary references to back up. So in that that phenomenon where people go it, slightly differently in the in the Guardian, so they say the top 10 female written songs of all time, number one will be Cardigan by Taylor Swift because it's just been written. And by the way, it's a brilliant song, but it's probably not, yeah, but it'll be sort of, because it happens to be around just now, or a favourite programme of, you know, TV show of all time, and it'll be Tiger King, just because yeah. everyone, yeah. There's a thing where they go, Without Bowie, you wouldn't have had, and it'll go like Robin and Lord or sort of something like sort of what? Yeah. Like, sort of maybe that's true, but yeah, yeah it's not, it, it, there's a lot of that going on. No, there is. There, there is another film called Stardust, of course. There's, yeah. Star, there's that film. There's the one that I mentioned maybe. at the start with, um, you know, that, would, that had the take that hit with it, which just came out in 2007. And then there's, yeah, the David Essex film, which is a, which is a very good film. I like that. I, th- I think stuff. I mean, we, one thing we never said is what is it about Stardust? Because you had Alvin Stardust as well. But it's kind of a 70s, another 70s word, isn't it? It's a sort of glamorous 70s word. But was Alvin Stardust thinking specifically about Ziggy? I don't think it'd have been. A, that's interesting. I'm going to put Alvin Stardust Ziggy into Google. How, how come he was allowed to use Stardust when surely that had already been claimed by Ziggy? Also, maybe it's too obvious a question. Was he conscious? Was that the point, that it was a Ziggy reference? Well, it says on Wikipedia that Alvin Stardust was clearly a reference to Ziggy Stardust, which seems odd to me that he was allowed to do that. And also odd because Alvin was nothing like Ziggy. But I also, having Googled it, uh, on a site called Tapper Talk, which I've never heard of, but there is a whole section... Oh, it's David Bowie Wonderworld called Alvin Stardust versus Ziggy Stardust, which I have to say is a a boxing match I'd like to see. Someone says, I love them both. Bowie was the more serious player and has stood the test of time. Alvin was good nonetheless, apparently. 
Uh, and someone else has said, I've got every record that Amos ever made. I don't know who Amos is. No, that's his real name, isn't it? Amos? Isn't it the real name of... Um, oh, yes, Amos uh, Braley. Is that his real name? I, th- I think that's possibly true from memory. Oh, wow. Amos Braley. But okay. do you think anyone... In that phrase they just slightly pompously used, that he was the more... Ziggy Stardust Bowie was the more serious player and has, has lasted longer... Do you think any Alvin fan would say, just hang on a minute? <laughs> just hang on a minute. Let's look at my Kukachu closely. That's, that is indeed the common view, but it needs to be challenged. That's. I mean, I started off this podcast, uh, probably the, the first episode, which is some time ago now, saying that I'm someone who likes to think of myself as having original thought going against the grain, counterintuitive view. And... Uh, as such, I am going to say now that I would be very pleased to, to land on the view that Alvin Stardust was a more permanent character than Ziggy Stardust. To be fair to Amos Brearley, it was at least, that's it. Do you know what I mean? He only did Alvin Stardust. That was his whole rock persona. Unlike, Dave, I mean, Ziggy does have the disadvantage that there were a whole host of other characters that could be said to have overshadowed him. Thin White Duke and obviously Halloween Jack and all those, whereas Amos stuck with Alvin. But I think the counter-argument, it's a very strong argument, actually, and very uh, has made me rethink. But that thing when you you sort of have, you support a football team and then someone says, and you sort of know it's true that, well, we wouldn't take a single player from your team and have them swap them for any of ours. And you think, oh God, that's probably true. Like, is there a single Alvin Stardust song you would take and put on the rise and fall of Ziggy Stardust and and take something off? I don't think. My Kukachu. Okay, so his real name... Is Bernard William Jury, spelt Jury as in Jew, re, like the old word for a community of Jews, Jury. That was his. He was known professionally as Shane Fenton, and there was a band called Shane Fenton and the Fentones, which is, by the way, isn't that terrible? Like, my name is Shane Fenton, or is my stage name. I'm going to call the band the Fentones. David Bedell and the Bedellos. Yeah, Tim Hinks and the Hinkettes. I mean, that maybe that works for you. That's okay. I like to think of the Hinkettes as quite an attractive bunch of women. But, um, yeah, no, I, I, he then came across... So he was Shane Fenton, and then he did Alvin Stardust, presumably. I mean, did what I want to know is, and I can't find that on the internet, did Bowie at any point, and he probably would have bumped into Alvin, just yeah. knocking about TV shows in the 70s, yeah, yeah. say to him, Oi, you just nicked that. You nicked the word Stardust. That's not allowed. Or was he fine with it? But I think, I mean, we could ask a lawyer. For, I don't believe, I think it's absolutely fine that he, you can't you can't copyright Stardust anymore. You know, it's in films. And so I don't think that would be the issue. I think the issue would be, like, why didn't you come up with your own? Like, it just seems a bit wrong. You based it on a character I'm doing. If, if Shane Fenton said on an interview with the NME back in 1972. I guess you want to ask me about my name and who the character is. They're like, no, not remotely interested. Yeah. But it's interesting if he if he ever... I'm looking now. He's never ever... No one's ever in an interview from what I can see. Asked him. He is dead, Bernard William Jury. Uh, also, I wonder if he was actually Jewish because he was born in Muswell Hill. But um, what is really confusing in terms of things eating themselves is that he called himself Alvin Sardas and based the character not really on Ziggy Stardust, but on Vince Taylor, who Ziggy Stardust was slightly based on, according to Wikipedia. Oh. You know Vince Taylor, who did my uh, brand new Cadillac? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so 
Vince Taylor, who was a rock star in the sort of late 50s, early 60s, Bowie says that Ziggy Stardust was slightly based on Vince Taylor. And that's who Alvin Stardust was based on. So it's almost like Alvin thought he hasn't quite got him right. David hasn't quite got him right. I'll do him much more like Vince would have wanted. Wow. Anyway, I think as, as the last point, to, I think we should finish by saying, you know, good luck to them. They'll they'll love it if they're listening, that thing. Good <laughs> good luck to the makers of Stardust. And, and, you know, actually, I will say that's one of the things I most hate uh, if you do anything at all. Like, I remember when I did The Infidel, which I would say is a better film than Stardust, but nonetheless, I would say that. Uh, someone did come up to me and say something like, well, you know, well done on getting it made. It's a great achievement. And they may as well have just said, I hated it. It was fucking yeah, shit. Yeah, yeah. I'd rather they said that than well done on getting it made. It's yes. a great achievement. But to some extent, that is how I feel about Stardust. No, I think I feel the same. And it's not the worst film that's got David Bowie in it. That's what I would say. What is? Well, Just a Gigolo, that's worse. I haven't actually seen Just a Gigolo. It's terrible. Is it? It's really terrible. <laughs> okay. But don't you think we should finish by playing out, if, you know, if you're going to choose one Bowie song that sums up the man, I would say it's his cover of the Yardbirds song. Yeah, what's it called? Uh, Again. <laughs> <laughs> you know, in this podcast, we've forgotten the title. It's that relevant to David Bowie. The centrepiece of pinups. The yeah. one I... <laughs> oh, it's called I Wish You Would. I wish you would, which every, says sort of everything about Bowie, what he represents, his different yeah. musical styles. And in, in many ways, I think it should have been called I Wish You Wouldn't. <laughs> there we go. It's playing. That'll play us out. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quinn's. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.